You are listening to National Security Law Today. Welcome to National Security Law Today, the podcast of the American Bar Association Standing Committee on Law and National Security. I am Nicole, a member of the committee staff. This week, you'll be hearing an excerpt from our live event with Corn Stone, Deputy Director of National Intelligence for Strategy and Engagement. Ms. Stone recently spoke to the ABA Standing Committee about the 2019 National Intelligence Strategy and the goals for the U.S. intelligence community over the next four years. Our next event on March 21st will be a luncheon in downtown D.C. with Avril Haines, the former Deputy National Security Advisor. Visit us online at AmericanBar.org slash NatSecurity to find out more about that event and register or to learn more about Corrin's Breakfast event and other previous events. Thank you, Cindy, and thanks to all of you for being here. It's a pleasure for me to be here. I was happy when uh, Cindy and Holly called me and asked if I would do this because I knew I would see some old friends and colleagues, and um, being a lawyer, I always love the lawyer. So not everybody here is a lawyer, I know that, but, um, but you know, I just have a fondness in my heart for what we do as lawyers, and so I was really happy to be able to come and speak at this breakfast. Um, so I don't know how many of you uh, have seen, we rolled out at the end of January the National Intelligence Strategy, the 2019 National Intelligence Strategy, and I brought a bunch of copies. They're outside if anybody wants one. Um, and so I thought I would talk a little bit about the National Intelligence Strategy, what we're thinking um, there, uh, and then uh, a little bit about the DNI's top priorities. Um, this is the fourth iteration of the National Intelligence Strategy, and it sets the roadmap for the IC over the next four years. It's one of the quadrennial strategies. It is the product of a multi-year IC-wide effort. Over 100 people across the IC have helped contribute to the National Intelligence Strategy. And it aligns our, the IC's direction, the intelligence community's direction, with the National Security Strategy, the National Defense Strategy, and the other national-level strategies. It communicates our priorities um, to the workforce and to our partners. It's based on the current global environment, of course, and that's some of the new um, piece of it uh, as every, uh, every day is changing, much less every four years. So we talk about the new strategic environment that we live in. Um, and it makes sure that our partners, our oversight, and the American people have a chance to really understand who we are, what we're doing in the intelligence community, what our goals are. And I'll say, I'll get to this again in a, in a minute, but um, this is the first time that we've published only an unclassified national intelligence strategy, and we did that uh, very intentionally uh, so that everyone could see exactly what we're doing uh, and, and why we're doing it. It also provides the strategic framework for our budget um, efforts, so our planning, our programming, our budgeting and evaluation efforts that we go through every year um, over the course of the uh, of the fiscal year, um, and that's how the DNI really drives the intelligence community. So it's through this um, this national strategy that we really drive the efforts of the intelligence community and we measure the progress of the intelligence community. This strategy, as others have done, build on those before it. Um, and it recognizes that we have to remain focused on a number of enduring conventional challenges um, that, that really haven't changed over the four years, but that we also have to evolve and change with our, our shifting strategic landscape, our environment, the adva advances in technology that come on a minute-by-minute -minute basis. And these are all driving evolutionary and revolutionary change on multiple fronts, as you know. We have to do things differently to meet our constantly evolving complex and uncertain world, and the threats are, of course, increasingly diverse and interconnected. 
So it, the 2019-ness uh, remains focused on those enduring challenges that you would expect, China, Iran, North Korea, Russia, counterproliferation, counterterrorism. But it also addresses an increase in several areas to include integrating counterintelligence and security, addressing cyber threats, and setting clear direction on privacy, civil liberties, and transparency, as I mentioned. It also increases the emphasis on bolstering innovation and leveraging strong, unique, and valuable partnerships to support and enable our national security outcomes. Um, there's a lot in here that we could talk about for, for a long time, uh, but I'm going to focus uh, in particular on kind of the common themes that I think run through this, um, integration, partnership, transparency, and innovation. And many of those may not sound new, um, but but how we do them has to change and has to evolve given the world that we live, live in. And that's what we're trying to convey in this strategy. Um, for integration, the 2019 National Intelligence Strategy calls on us to increase our intelligence, uh, our coordination of our intelligence activities to make sure that we achieve best effect. And we have seen that over the last decade, a, a significant increase in our integration across the intelligence community in mission areas. We've optimized our collection and analysis. I won't say it's 100% always, but we continue to op optimize the way we integrate our, our collection and analysis. We more effectively manage our resources, and that results in better outcomes when we need it. I think one of the most uh, uh, on-point examples of fantastic integration over the years um, has been was the Bin Laden raid, where everybody came together and really drove information at the right time for the policymakers to make those important decisions. Um, and we've had plenty of successes since then uh, as well that you've seen. Um, that's good, and it has to continue, and we have to actually strengthen and broaden that, of course, those mission integration efforts. But what the 2019-ness also underscores is the need to increase our integration activities much more broadly than that. For example, with common systems, common policies, common practices to truly foster an integrated community. So we need information systems that are integrated so that our data can move at the, at the speed of mission. We need integrated human resource systems so that our people can move at the speed of mission. We need integrated security systems. We need integrated approaches to developing our capabilities, including our overhead architectures. We need an integrated approach to resource planning, allocation, and acquisition so that we make the smartest decisions as we're buying things uh, on behalf of the US government. We always think about the mission but what we're trying to emphasize here is that everything that underlies that end state, that goal, must also be integrated for us to do the best job that we possibly can. And so we really need, we really need to think about those systems and those processes and those policies and being integrated as well. Partnerships are also fundamental to our national security, as you all know, and they're growing more so by the moment. In, in the world where we're completely interconnected, um, almost everyone becomes a partner at some point. And I think we have to recognize that um, the way we engage, not only with our federal partners, for which we have great partnerships, and our, um, our foreign allies, but our state and local partners, our private sector partners, academia, industry, um, everyone touches on the strength of our country and our national security. And so we need to think about those partnerships differently. How do we talk to those partners? How do we give those partners information that they can use to help strengthen our national security. Um, you know, we know today that election, election security is extremely important. So we need to be able to talk to state and locals differently uh, and in a way that they can actually action and do what is necessary to protect our elections. And so we have to rethink in the intelligence community what kind of products we put out. How do we say things 
and a mechanism that is useful to partners other than the, our, our standard typical policymaker uh, customers. We still have to do that as well, of course, but we have to evolve our thinking about our partners. We have a shared responsibility with our partners to, in, un, to inform understanding and to effectively inform decisions and enable appropriate action. And I think you know, the way we talk about partnerships internally ourselves has really started to pick up. I think this is something you'll see over the next year or two where we think differently about how we engage. And that actually leads into transparency as well, really making sure that those that we work with and, 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 and those that we don't work, work with understand who we are, what we're doing, why we're doing what we're doing so that we can protect national security together. We are too connected to think that we can do it all in the government. We just absolutely cannot do that. Um, transparency is a brand new objective for the National Intelligence Strategy. Um, that is the recognition that um, we need to continue to increase transparency while building uh, trust with the American people and protecting our national security information. And we have started that over several years in the past. Um, NSA, among others, has done a lot more to get more information out to the public. Um, but we recognize across the intelligence community that the more we can tell people about what we're doing, and why we're doing it, maybe not how we're doing it, um, but the policies and the legal authorities, um, the better off we'll be because people will understand um, when they hear things, the nature of what we're trying to do. Um, it's, essential, it's essential for us to retain the trust of the American people and that helps, us, uh, that helps us do our jobs and actually protect national security better. It's key to our success. We also include for the first time in the national intelligence strategy the principles of intelligence transparency for the IC. That's a document that we created several years ago and has been um, a part of the intelligence community for a while, but we put it in this document, the national intelligence strategy, again to emphasize how important that is to us and that we recognize how critical it is for us to be able to do our jobs. Um, and like I said, to put our money where our mouth is, we published the strategy only uh, in an unclassified format. Um, innovation, this one is really fun, I think, um, for most people to think about. Obviously, um, innovation is exciting and there's always interesting new ideas and we think a lot about innovation in terms of technology and that's terrific and we've had great innovation in technology and that'll continue. But again, what the National Intelligence Strategy is trying to stress here is not only that we have to bolster that technological innovation, but we also have to innovate the way we do business. We have to innovate our mission and business processes. We have to innovate new types of trade craft, new analytic techniques, new way to disseminate information, new way to protect information, new way to do our security clearances. We have to innovate everything. Um, and so thinking about it just in the lane of technology is too narrow. Um, we have to be able to bring people into the IC, again, at the speed that our mission requires and the, with the level of trust that our national security demands, and that's going to require a new way of thinking, which already is underway. Um, and as I said, we have to innovate the way we think with our partners. And so I think you know, our goal here is to really um, step up how we're doing what we're doing and think differently about the concepts that already existed and that have have been core and important to the IC and the ODNI for many years, and rethink them now in light of the evolving environment. In strategy and engagement, which is my directorate, we're working every day to realize these objectives and to ensure that we're driving the DNI's priorities. I, I think about my directorate as um, keeping an eye on the future and then making sure that our work today is aligned and driving toward that future. We put out the national intelligence strategy and if the work that we do today doesn't actually help us get 
closer to that national intelligence strategy, either the work we're doing isn't quite aligned properly or the strategy isn't right. And either way, we need to adjust that. So we're constantly looking at and evolving and trying to understand what is the work today actually driving and what are our big policy goals? What do we need to do from the intelligence community perspective? We are driving a handful of um, IC-wide strategic initiatives that the entire community has agreed are top priority for the intelligence community. These are things that we know must be done over the next two to three years. They must be done differently and must be um, uh, surged against and make transformational progress in order for us to continue to be relevant in the future. Um, there are also initiatives that the community agreed couldn't be done by any one agency alone and must be led by the DNI so that the entire community was brought together. And so um, we're focusing on the adoption of te technologies that augment intelligence using the machines, things like artificial intelligence and machine learning, where um, you know we have an abundance of data at this point and we need to figure out how to find the data that really matters. And of course, we are always going to need the humans and the analysts' eyes on, the, the brains that we have need to actually look at the information that's relevant. And so if we can use the machines to kind of help clear out the underbrush and get through some of the data that we don't need, don't care about, we can make sure we're focusing our people on the most important information. And so looking at how to adopt artificial intelligence and machine learning types of activities in the, in the community. We're thinking about how to recruit the next uh, generation skilled workforce. Recognizing again that the uh, career path that we had um, in the past couple of decades is not the career path of the future. People don't expect to stay in one position or let alone one agency for their entire careers. People want to move around, move in and out of the, the intelligence community, in and out of the private sector. We need to be able to ensure that our workforce can move around the IC easily and move in and out of the private sector easily and recognize that that's of value, not only to the intelligence community, but to our nation to have that kind of experience. So we need to think about how we're gonna recruit those folks and how we're actually gonna make that happen more easily. Um, we're thinking about agility in our acquisition processes. This is one that um, if you're an acquisition professional, you, you'll laugh at, and if you're not, you probably snooze at. But uh, it is acquisition is anything but agile in most instances. Um, a lot of times we're buying technology that is old. Um, even when we started to try to buy it, forget about 10 years after we've gotten it in the door and now we're working at 10-year-old uh, technology. And so how do we... Uh, purchase things at the rate uh, in which they're still valuable and they're still useful and that they're not outdated immediately. Um, and how do we work with the private sector in a way that they can do quick turn research, research or engagement with us um, that again, we don't need three years to set up and then it's too late. So we're really thinking, and that, that is something that spans the government and the Department of Defense as well, um, because the regulations for acquisition are very broad. They aren't uh, just intelligence community regulations. So we have to think about how to do that smartly and to learn from the private sector, frankly, um, about how they manage acquisition and what we can do there. Um, we're, we're working on developing a comprehensive cyber posture um, that allows our defenses to be informed by our, our, our offenses um, and our analytic judgments to benefit the entire country. And this is one where um, obviously cyber is a hot topic and a lot of people do a lot of great work on cyber, but making sure across the intelligence community we really understanding who's playing what role, how we're informing each other, the visibility, and then actually how do we convey that information in the right areas so that our country is safer, our government is safer, our state local are safer, everyone understands what we know in the cybersphere and how to protect themselves. So thinking about that a little bit more holistically. Um, we're creating new ways to partner with industry, academia, and the private sector, as I mentioned, um, understanding that our approach in that area needs to evolve. 
and we're modernizing our approach to data and infrastructure to take advantage of technological advances. Again, you know, we cannot manage data and information. We cannot manage the technology with which we work um, in a segmented fashion, and we recognize that almost you know seven eight years ago now. Um, but we continue to evolve how we manage across the IC the information that we have and how we share it and how we protect it. Um, we're tackling all of these issues by bringing specific champions in to help run them. They have deep subject matter expertise and they're leaning forward ready to challenge the status quo. There are a lot of great organizations and councils that are working on these issues um, independently and what we need to do is surge against those topics, bring in some disruptive ideas, some new thinking, um, and really make transformational change over the next two to three years in a way that we haven't in the past. Some of these are enduring challenges that we've seen over and over, and we're really going to have to close on something new and some new ideas here. And some of these are new and exciting, challenging uh, issues that uh, everybody wants to be a part of. And so each one of these has to be managed slightly differently. But what we need to do is develop solutions that are scalable and sustainable and will endure um, to the extent that anything can endure in our ever-changing environment. Um, really, our overall goal in the intelligence community is to make sure that we, were, we are and continue to be agile, trusted, and unified. Those are our kind of touchstones, and that's what we try to continue to um, work towards. And because I'm talking in an ABA forum, I thought I would talk just for a second about some of the legal challenges that the lawyers face in this new world from my perspective. So much of what we have done in the past has always been based on um, explicit regulatory and statutory language and precedent. Um, and so much of what we're headed towards is not um, something we've done before. And there isn't a lot of precedent, precedent for and so thinking about the law in new ways and trying to come up with the right kind of analogies and being innovative and creative in how we tackle some of these legal issues, I think, um, is a really exciting challenge for a lot of lawyers, and people really enjoy that. Um, but it's also scary because there, you, you know, you're taking a leap of faith in many instances where it isn't clear-cut. There is no precedent. We haven't done this before. Um, in some cases, we're going to need new statutes and, and new laws and um, new policies. And that's great, although as a lawyer, I've always said that's kind of your um, last alternative. Your least best alternative is to go for new law because it's just so difficult and you don't know exactly what you're asking for. And so to the extent that you can understand how your current constructs fits into an existing framework, that's great. But a lot of the frameworks that we're working with are decades old and they really don't fit the time that we're in today. And so I think we're going to need a lot of creative folks to look at those legal frameworks and figure out how we can model them towards the future. And if there are changes that need to be made, then we're going to need to go and ask um, the Congress and, and others to try and make them. And so that's a big challenge, I think. Um, Cindy and I were talking a, a few minutes ago about space and what you know the legal framework will look like in space. And that's, again, a lot of interesting challenges there. We've been in space before, but not quite in this way. Um, and, and so... You know, what are the norms? What are the, are there international norms? Are do we even know what the norms are? We think for our own country, um, in some of these areas, uh, you know, there's a lot of great legal work out there to be done. So, hopefully, some of you will take up the challenge and help us navigate through these changes. Um, that's kind of the 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 upshot of the national intelligence strategy. There's a lot more information in it. It's it's much more exciting than I made it sound, um, but it is. Um, 
it's the blueprint for what we're going to do over the next couple of years. Um, and as I said, we constantly are thinking about and, and watching and measuring the community to understand, are we working towards those goals? Are we making progress? And if not, how do we adjust? So, um, you know, integration, innovation, partnership, transparency, those are kind of the main themes from my perspective of the things that we really want to enhance and increase um, as we continue forward. Um, and, and with that, I think I'll stop on the National Intelligence Strategy, and I'll be happy to take questions or talk about other things as you are interested. We're going to end this week's episode here, but if you'd like to hear the Q&A session that followed Cornstone's speech, please visit us online at AmericanBar.org slash NatSecurity for the full audio. When you're there, you can also learn about our March 21st lunch with Avril Haynes. And, as always, you can find more resources online or in the notes to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at ABANatSec or on our Facebook page. We look forward to seeing you next week when we'll be talking about the Foreign Agents Registration Act. Until then... Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. The views expressed on national security law today have not been approved by the House of Delegates or the Board of Governors of the American Bar Association, and accordingly should not be construed as representing ABA policy.